Welcome to Remotely Possible, a podcast about the people shaping the future of work. My name's Adam Riggs, and I'm the CEO of Frameable, a software company that's improving distributed work for Microsoft Teams and Outlook users. We're always looking for leaders, technology innovators, and software partners who might be a good fit as a guest on the podcast. If you have a story to share about creating and maintaining a highly collaborative environment for either hybrid or fully remote teams, We'll share details at the end of each episode of this podcast so you'll know how to get in touch with us. And now, let's dive into our conversation about how real people are making the future of work more successful. Hi, welcome back to Remotely Possible, the podcast where we speak to executives, designers, engineers, investors, and all kinds of professionals who are bringing the smart, efficient, creative workforce of tomorrow to today. This is Adam Dole. Adam is the co-founder and COO of Bento. Bento is a food as medicine company that's addressing food insecurity and healthcare outcomes for the U.S.'s most vulnerable. Adam, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Adam, for having me. Excited to be here. Great. So let's start off with uh, an introduction to our listeners where you can just explain a little bit about your career path and about Bento and about the team that you are building there. Sure. So I've always been obsessed with trying to improve the healthcare system in our country. And uh, from an early age, asked a lot of uh, naive questions about why our healthcare system is the way that it is and have never really liked the answers that I got. And so I've just continued to follow the thread of building product services and businesses that would uh, help people live higher quality lives and oftentimes uh, put more agency and uh, 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 into the hands of individuals to be able to manage their own health and healthcare. And so prior to starting Bento, um, I started my career at NASA, um, became an entrepreneur in residence at the Mayo Clinic, um, and, uh, and a handful of other experiences that led me to becoming the managing director of a organization in Los Angeles called Not Impossible Labs. Not Impossible Labs is an incubator that focuses on uh, the creation of technology for the sake of humanity. Um, And there we built prototypes that would address what we refer to as humanitarian absurdities. And these prototypes would bring together uh, experts from all sorts of uh, different uh, uh, backgrounds to be able to contribute to these prototypes. And then we would think about what would need to be true to scale them. One of the topics that we uh, became obsessed with as a team was the concept of food insecurity in our country. We live in the wealthiest country in the world, and yet there's somewhere uh, in the order of magnitude of 50 million people that don't know where their next meals are coming from, which is heartbreaking on one hand, but also very preventable when you think about we've got enough food in our country to feed everybody. And those individuals tend to be at higher risk for a lot of other preventable chronic conditions. And so we started prototyping solutions to address this. Um, realized that we had something that needed to be spun out uh, in order for it to, to grow. And so we spun it out um, and I left Not Possible Labs to, to run Bento. Um, and we are now in our third year uh, of, of being a, a company and a, and a startup that is uh, got a really bold mission, um, but really excited by the, the progress that we're making and the team that we've assembled. Amazing. And uh, how many people do you have on the team right now? And you can you could clarify if it's like full-time employees, part-time employees, contractors, et cetera, but just so the listeners have a, a sense of scale. 
Sure. Uh, the, the Bento team right now is, is about 25 people. Um, about half of those are full-time employees and about half are uh, contractors. Um, mm-hmm. And we've got a distributed remote team. Um, we started Bento uh, at the beginning of the pandemic when remote was the default. We didn't intentionally want to uh, start a team that was going to be remote and distributed, but it was just what had to happen at that time. And so we started identifying the best talent in the world uh, that wanted to be on this mission with us. And fast forward three years, we've got 25 people not only spread across um, the United States, but uh, but internationally as well. And it's been a wild ride personally for me to see how uh, good it can be to have a remote distributed team, especially um, in the ecosystem that we're we're operating in now. You know, there's a, there's a lot of varying opinions on that, as as you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. So, so would you say that it's been an advantage for you from like a talent uh, recruiting and retention perspective, or is it an, is it an advantage? Uh, from a creativity perspective or a, you know efficiency perspective, like what are the big uh, advantages that you that you uh, associate with a fully distributed team like the one you're running? Yeah, so the advantages are uh, numerous across the board. You you just touched on a couple of them, but I'll, I'll dive into a, a few of the, the primary ones for us. First is just being able to attract talent from any location and not be yep. limited to uh, to a certain uh, region or have to have those conversations with a really talented candidate about what it would require to move them. Um, and so we've assembled an incredible team um, and just removing the barrier of location has just unlocked so much of a pipeline for us. Um, it's important to recognize we've got a really strong mission and so we're attracting a ton of people. Um, so our, the top of the funnel has never been an issue, but being able to be really selective and not think about uh, geography or time zone as a factor. It's the first time that's really been the case for me. And it's been uh, incredible in terms of what it is uh, unlocked for us. In terms of just efficiencies, this is where I think we've had to learn and become very intentional about how we operate in order to make it more efficient. Because I don't think remote and distributed by default assumes that it can be more effective and efficient. We've had to, to really be intentional about that. And uh, I think we'll get into, you know, some of the, the uh, approaches and tactics that we've implemented that are, that are making that so for us. Um, but it's been a crazy positive competitive advantage for us uh, just in terms of our effectiveness to work in a distributed uh, way for a variety of different reasons. Sometimes that's time zones, sometimes mm-hmm. uh, aside from just the talent side of things. Um, we can we can uh, cover a lot more ground uh, as a distributed team than if if we, everybody was coming to the same office, which again I don't think is an accident. It's been very intentional that way. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. It's it's hard to imagine everybody being able to come to one office. I mean, the people haven't worked that way for 50 years, really, uh, or or something like that. I mean, in other words, even if you work at a a modern company with all the resources you need, it's still the case that, you know, they're going to be different floors. They're going to be different offices in different cities. You know, the people that you're, uh, that you're collaborating with are, are just rarely or never going to be physically around you all the time. Right. So this is kind of a bit of a fantasy that uh, people are comparing modern work to. Yeah. I also think sometimes there can be this, um, this expectation that because people are coming to the office, 
it's easier to build culture, it's easier to get on the same page. And so you almost take those things for granted when that is the default, coming to the same office, running into each other in the hallways. But the reality is it still requires a lot of intention and a lot of mm -hmm. thought in terms mm -hmm. of how to do that. And I think it doesn't always get prioritized when uh, people just uh, make the assumption that because everybody's coming to the same office, like that's gonna happen. And mm -hmm. so not being in the same space has really forced us to prioritize that as a company, uh, part of our company strategy about how we're going to, to build culture, how we're going to make sure we're all on the same page, how we're going to um, interact with each other as humans in ways that uh, that might not be as obvious when you're not with each other in the same room. Mm -hmm. And so that level of priority, I think, is, is not necessarily something that I see a lot of in-person companies um, doing and prioritizing as much mm -hmm. these days. So it's, it's been a really good, good experience for us. Interesting. Yeah. Um, well, so t tell the listeners, uh, let's talk for a few minutes about the actual tech stack that you lean on. So uh, we're interested in uh, what video software you use, what text chat software you use, um, email and calendar, if you want to mention it, is also so sometimes interesting. And then give us one example of the moments that you were just describing where you are taking this tech stack and you are doing something very deliberate to create that connectivity. Yeah. So the tools are important. Um, and, and I'll talk about those tools now. Um, but I think getting into some of the, the ways that we've um, operated as a company that allow those tools to be effective for us are, are equally, if not more interesting and important to, to our success. So the tools that we use, a lot of the, the probably common tools out there, like we use Zoom. Mm -hmm. um, we, we uh, I think, started out with Google Hangouts because it was the free service associated with our Google accounts. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, when we were starting the company, we defaulted to, to Google Hangouts. But then as we started to realize a lot of the partners that we were talking to or enterprise customers had trouble connecting to Google Hangouts, uh, we we started to, to buy Zoom premium. And then as we started to explore and, and uh, try Zoom, uh, it became the default. And now that's integrated into our, our Google uh, calendaring um, and and that has been a pretty fluid, high quality experience for us. We're on Zooms, like many that are in a remote situation most of the day uh, interacting. That is the, the primary way that we, uh, we engage uh, face to face. Um, we've got Slack running all day long. Um, again, not, not a, uh, in, uh, a unique situation. I think most mm -hmm. companies are using Slack. We've implemented Slack in a very intentional way. Um, we think about the use of Slack very regularly in terms of making sure that um, the message is not lost in the medium. And what I mean by that is making sure that teams have very clear expectations of how to engage with Slack. How, you know, what are the expectations for response times? What uh, is an appropriate way to use it so that we're fostering community, not alienating people, not you know, doing doing a lot of things that I think written communication can have an intended or unintended consequence about. Um, we use uh, Linear for a lot of project management related uh, uh, um, work, which is another really important tool for us in terms of cross team collaboration. 
it becomes a shared place where people on different teams can not just collaborate on on projects um, mm -hmm. but have accountability across teams in, in mm -hmm. a visual way that otherwise might be very difficult remotely uh, to have visibility into what other teams are working on or what I have to do for somebody else's team uh, to yep. accomplish a, a goal. Um, we use uh, Trello um, for, for different activities. Uh, we just introduced Miraboard um, mm -hmm. for kind of remote whiteboarding and, and clustering of, of uh, disparate ideas into different themes and, and exploring that. And I think one of the takeaways from us as we continue to introduce some of these new tools into our, into our tech stack is there's not a single tool that's probably going to rule them all. Um, mm -hmm. There's there's a time and a place for different tools, and it's okay to experiment with new tools um, and and not be just you know like locked into just one or afraid to to try one because we think it's going to be a requirement for the entire mm -hmm. team to get on board it. If it doesn't work, we're very open about that and sunsetting tools that aren't serving our mm -hmm. purpose. Um, there's a couple of other tools in our tools uh, that we use that I think are worth mentioning. Um, Gather, um, Gather Town, I think is actually the full name. We actually use that for a weekly happy hour. Um, mm -hmm. It's just different. Um, for those that might not be familiar with it, it's like a game board like environment um, that allows you to, to navigate different rooms or environments mm -hmm. uh, visually. And not that we spend a lot of time, you know, uh, on a happy hour navigating different rooms, but it's just a context mm -hmm. switch for people. Mm -hmm. You know, we're spending all of our time on Zooms and in Slack. Um, it's just a, it's like a pattern break. Um, and then we have different conversations there. We have yep. conversations yep. that are not related to work. And sometimes I think like the, the Zoom happy hour concept gets a bad rep. Um, mm -hmm. It's only as valuable as the conversations that you're having. Mm -hmm. and uh and not always making those things mandatory is an important cultural thing so those are some of the tools um that that we use got it and uh i, I just want to make one one point about um about the interest in gather and how it's different from zoom i just want to make sure that i understood um and maybe i'm, I'm going to use a little bit um i'm going to use different words but tell me if this is right is that when you're in a meeting uh you are you, it's very deliberate and you are interacting with the people who are in the meeting and you're in no way interacting with the people who are not in the meeting. And that is different from this other interface where you get to interact with the people that you're with, but then you also have this peripheral vision where you can see other people in other places and you can choose to join them or not join them. Is that right? Yeah, they, that, that that's how Gather works. And I think yeah. it's got a lot of unique capabilities that we don't even leverage for some of their intrinsic uh, uniqueness. The way we use Gather for our weekly happy hour, we just assemble them in the same room together. Um, okay. And so it's not like there's groups that are having ah, different okay. conversations. We're small ah, enough okay. where, you know, okay. whoever decides to join, if, if we have 25 people on the team at any given happy hour, there's probably a dozen people. Um, and we're usually just in, in the same vicinity so that we see each other and we're interacting. But I think it just instantly puts somebody into a different frame of mind, being on a different interface that's not work facing. So I see. it's a little, you know, it, it, it's sort of it, a newness, a newness. It's a, it's a newness thing. And it's about like the the different menus and the different background colors. And it just it just doesn't look like your normal 
meeting software. That's right. Yeah. And I think like all of this to say, like the tool is important. Don't get me wrong. Like these two, every one of these tools are important, if not mission critical. I mean, we all know I'm not going to, you know, talk about the importance of email, the importance yeah. of being on Zoom these days. But yep. I, I actually asked our team today during our Friday team meeting, um, knowing that we were going to be having this conversation. And I asked them to go around and share some of the things that are important to them about working remotely and distributed and what approaches are working for them. Oh, and fantastic. The summary, yeah. So the, the summary, uh, not to bury the lead on this the tool almost doesn't matter. And I'll explain what I mean by that. The tools are necessary, but not sufficient. And what has allowed us to get the most out of these tools, but also to perform as a company and to be a company that people want to be at, that people get excited to show up to every day is because the intention of getting to know each other as humans first mm -hmm. and not relying on the tool um, to uh, to do that for us. Um, we we have to build a solid foundation. So most of our meetings involve some human conversation about getting to know each other in a way that's either like before the meeting, like kicks into high gear. We'll we'll have time in the beginning of the meeting to just talk about different things that are going on with ourselves, or at the end of a meeting. But most meetings are not just getting, you know, a transactional yeah. uh, conversation to happen. Yeah. And that, yeah. that's happening at every time, uh, you know, we're, we're interacting and there's intention there. And I can't tell you, Adam, how important that is, because when you are remote, you're relying on verbal communication, you're relying on written communication. And oftentimes the nuance is lost in written communication mm -hmm. over, over mm -hmm. Slack mm -hmm. or on a Zoom call that's just very transactional. And so one of the things that was said by our team today was being able to read that Slack message in the voice of the person that wrote it changes the meaning of it. And we've got this culture of pure intention. So it's just a fundamental um, part of the way that we value each other is to always know that you know, we're lifting each other up and doing all this stuff. That has nothing to do with the tools. That has everything to do with the individuals, the values that we uh, build and, and maintain as a company and as individuals. And then really just thinking about this on a daily, weekly basis to make sure that we're continually uh, uh, protecting uh, those mm -hmm. things and continuing to build the interpersonal relationships, regardless of the, the tools that we're actually using. So that might have not been kind of like the answer that, that you were looking for for in terms of the importance of that, the tools are a necessary vehicle to express some of those things. But I think without that foundation, without that focus mm -hmm. on really understanding people, um, I don't think these tools can make up the difference. Um, and and yeah. they, they can't create that if there's a lack of those other things. Um, and the last thing I'll say on, on this, this portion of it is really just about um, making sure that we continually refine this and that we focus on it on a daily basis so that we are a company that people are excited to be a part of first because of the mission second because of the people that they get to be on that mission with and then the mm -hmm. tools are just there to help facilitate that 
Yeah, well, it sounds like the people on your team are are lucky to be in an environment like that. Uh, I had one clarification. Um, when you said uh, that when they read something that someone wrote, they, they hear it in the voice of that person you're speaking metaphorically, not like you don't use audio notes uh, specifically. That's not what you were saying, right? Correct. Yeah. Met metaphorically okay. being able to, yeah. to know that person well enough to understand yeah. the tone, to understand yeah. how that would have come across if, if they were standing at the water cooler, because there are yeah. challenges being remote. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I just spent the last couple of minutes talking about how amazing all this stuff is, but there's some major challenges that come up, you know, when, when you're not having uh, random interactions with people in the hallway, you miss out. Um, and it's hard to replicate that artificially. Officially. Uh, and so some of those things I just described are ways for us to um, to mitigate not having some of those things. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that I think is critically important here is making sure that the team does get time to come together in person mm -hmm. uh, yeah. at strategic times of the year, whether that's an annual offsite, a quarterly um, get together, whatever we have to do. And those are obviously uh, things that we have to invest in and prioritize, otherwise they won't happen. And yep. it is critical, mission critical to have those mm. moments where the team comes together, because that's where you really, I think, start building those foundations, especially if an employee might be new or team members mm -hmm. new, they hadn't been yep. part of the last offsite that we had. They don't have any in-person experience with an individual. It makes it very difficult to read that Slack message or interpret mm. the Zoom body language with that pure intention in that person's voice um, because they might not know that person all that well yet. Mm -hmm. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, okay, uh, we, we probably have time for one or two more questions. I just, uh, so the first one will be easy, which is uh, mechanically speaking, when you are sitting at your desk like you are right now and you are having a normal work day and you need to, have an interaction with someone, what is the first thing you do? How do you go and find them or go and look for them or process their status? Like literally which visual signals and which actions do you take to do that when you're not physically with someone? So as I'm sitting at my desk, I've got two screens up. I've got my MacBook Air screen in front of me, which has the camera. And then I've got a, a display monitor off to my right. Mm -hmm. And I'll mm -hmm. always have my calendar um, open um, on pro most likely my, my large screen um, mm -hmm. off to the right. And that's just constantly running in the background. And I've also set my calendar up to be integrated with, um, with Slack. So I'll get a Slack message um, in front of me with like a couple minutes before the next meeting. Okay. Um, and so that's happening in the background. When okay. I want to, uh, meet with somebody or, or in an ad hoc way uh, communicate with somebody i'll go to slack which is running uh, on my machine in front of me uh, pop open um, that that browser window uh, yep. or the, the app window and then yep. scroll down to their name um, i usually don't look i don't pay too much attention to the to the status because okay. i don't always find that to be that useful um, okay I'm also um, trying to become much more intentional of like if something's urgent, just letting somebody mm -hmm. know, hey, this is urgent or hey, this isn't urgent. You don't need to get back mm -hmm. to me right away. Like being, I've, I'm learning how to 
to yeah. set better um, communication um, uh, hygiene for myself, just for that, because yep. I know people, it matters and, and people appreciate that. Um, but I'll usually like Slack them uh, a message. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes the message is, hey, um, do you have time for, for uh, to jump on a quick Zoom? Um, and, or it could just be something that we message back and forth with over Slack. Yep. I, it's usually a last resort for me in that sequence to then go and open their calendar and find a slot on the Zoom. Because if they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm free in 10 minutes, then I don't need to go to the calendar. Right. Um, but if it's not an asynchronous or if it's not a, a synchronous conversation that it's having, that I'm having, I might need to schedule some time with them for the following day or something. I'll go on their calendar, look um, at the, the uh, open slots that they have and, yeah. and just yeah. put a meeting on the calendar for us. Um, and I think something that I probably didn't mention in that whole interaction is the importance of asynchronous communication for us as a as a company. That's that was gonna that was we, gonna be our last question for today. Is please uh, uh, please say something about how you uh, stack rank synchronous versus asynchronous, or how you think about uh, using those differently. That was gonna be our final question. So great. I think asynchronous communication has been the linchpin to our efficiency. Um, and effectiveness in working um, in this way with those tools. Um, it's a learning curve, you know, being able to to treat Slack um, with the respect that that it, it needs in order to use it effectively so that you're not uh, stressing people out by sending Slack messages and expecting an immediate re return, mm -hmm. being able mm -hmm. to use Slack you know, as a, a repository for key information that, that is asynchronous is critical. Um, linear, you know, being able to put a linear card into a backlog for the next meeting that's coming up, you know, in, in a couple of days might be a critical way that somebody's sharing their ideas about where the company needs to go next mm -hmm. or where a product needs to go. And having forms for that that are asynchronous might not we, we might not rely on them as much if we were in person. And so the fact that we do rely on those and we encourage that kind of asynchronous conversation and make sure that, you know, we set the right boundaries in terms of ex expectations for synch synchronous conversations and timing mm -hmm. around that, I think it gives people a sense of the right expectations, but it also gives people the tools to communicate and contribute in ways that they might not in person. Yeah. Not everybody's an extrovert. Not everybody's going to jump up on the whiteboard. Not everybody's going to proactively jump in in a meeting and, and get their ideas out. And so these asynchronous channels are, are critical. I feel like we're still scratching at the surface in terms of how we can get the most out of that. And, and it's working for us pretty well already. So excited to see you know, how we continue to leverage these tools and get the most out of them. Excellent. Well, Adam, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Adam, for having me. Excited to share a little bit of what's been working for us. And, and I hope that some of this could be valuable for any team that's working in a remote distributed way. Looking forward to seeing where some of these, these tools lead in the future. Absolutely. So this is Adam Dole, co-founder and COO of Bento. He runs a 25-person team that you know spans many time zones, and he's given us some of his tips about how he uses these tools to create competitive advantage for, for his team and to solve a really hard problem. So thank you again, Adam. Thanks, Adam. All right. Have a great day.
I'm your host, Adam Riggs, and I'd like to thank you for listening to Remotely Possible, the podcast about distributed work and the people who make it possible. Remotely Possible is sponsored by Frameable, a software company with a mission of making virtual collaboration feel as easy as turning around and talking to each other. Learn more at frameable.com. To become a guest on an upcoming edition of Remotely Possible, head over to frameable.com slash podcast and introduce yourself. If you know someone who'd be a great guest, tag them on social media and let them know about the show and include the hashtag Remotely Possible. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it on your social networks and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Your likes, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and to our team. Want to know how Frameable Spaces helps Microsoft Teams and Outlook users collaborate more effectively? Visit our website, frameable.com, or follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.